0: You needn't be afraid of me, boy, he said. I'll treat you well. I bought you for your face. You reminded me of someone. May I ask of whom, my lord, said Caspian? You remind me of my master, King Caspian of Narnia. Then Caspian decided to risk everything on one stroke. My lord, he said, I am your master. I am Caspian, King of Narnia.
1: welcome to the chronicles of podcast where we are doing a chapter by chapter deep dive into the chronicles of narnia by c.s lewis i'm chase and i'm kill thank you for joining us Just a reminder that today we are talking about the fifth book in the series, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, but general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we do go on tangents into other stories we enjoy and follow all sorts of rabbit trails. Uh, We'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there, but today we're discussing The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Chapter 3, the Lone Islands.
0: Lonely Island. Wait, sorry. Lone Islands. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, No, this would actually be the T-Pain one, because they're on a boat.
1: True, true. Look at them. Man, what an era of SNL.
0: What an era. Hey, RIP. They're not dead. They're just not on SNL anymore.
1: Uh, I mean, Brooklyn Nine-Nine ended, too, so we're getting less Andy sandberg than we used to.
0: RIP. But... Chase, I'd love to give you a summary of the Lonely Island.
1: That would be incredible, Cal.
0: Three guys who were friends in, in college, uh, and they did a lot. Oh, wait, sorry. Lone Islands. Summary of the Lone Islands, Chapter 3. So a man in the bow said, uh, Land in sight, and everyone went to the front of the ship to look out on the Lone Islands. Lucy explained that they were the same as she remembered them. And Caspian asked why they belonged to Narnia, being so far offshore. And Lucy said, I don't know. It's before our time uh, and before the days of the, uh, of the White Witch. And the narrator, who is C.S. Lewis, says, I don't know either, but if I find out, I'll let you know. And since C.S. Lewis is dead, we're probably never going to know. So they determined that they should land on Dorn, the largest of the three islands, since the closest was mostly uninhabited and the smaller one was less populated. Lucy really wanted to walk on Felomath, the lonely island. Again, so Caspian says they should go walk across it and have the ship pick them up on the other side. Probably a bad idea, says the narrator who wrote this book. They lowered the boat with Lucy, Caspian, Reepicheep, Edmund, and Eustace, what a crew, and rowed ashore. They crossed over a hill and were surprised to see a large gr- a group of large men in the valley below. Caspian told them not to reveal who they are, since the islanders had likely not heard from Narnia in a long time. And, you know, it might not be a good thing to remind them that they have a king uh, who rules over them. As they approached the men, wished them good morning, uh, and after confirming there was still a governor of the Lone Islands, they wished to- they invited the group to a drink. Before they knew it, uh, they found themselves being grabbed by the men and tied up, and the men were slave merchants and intended to sell them at market. And uh, you know, after Ricochet stabs them, uh, they decide that hearing Eustace talk is even worse than being stabbed by a talking mouse because Eustace sucks. They were led onto a ship and across to Dorne, where a fine-looking man came out of one of the houses and asked how much for Caspian. He bought him for a hundred fifty, uh, you know, cr- you know, w- of the of the currency of the day. Uh, I looked
1: really hard for any kind of name of the currency. There was not
0: one. <laughs> 150 pieces. Uh, and as he was led away, he looked over his shoulder and told him it would be all right. The rest of the children in Cheap were loaded onto a slave ship and held in the dark with other prisoners. Caspian, however, had a way better time. Turns out the man who had purchased him turned out to be one of his father's lords. And Caspian was able to reveal his identity. The Lord Burn as his name was that Caspian just knows, even though these were men who left when he was a child, uh, told him how he had come to stay on the Lone Islands, and then told Caspian how the governor of the islands would not be pleased to have the king present, and they shouldn't go before him without arms, otherwise he might not be safe. They strategize that the best way to get the others back is to bluff, is to deceive the governors and slavers by making them think that they have way more people than they do. Caspian blows a horn to summon the Dawn Treader and they go and tell Drinian the plan. They fire some bow, shot, bow shots uh, and send up a signal to a non-existent fleet that are on the other side of the island uh, that again, do not exist. And they gather uh, at Burnstead, which is Burns' place, Lord Bern, it's a clever name, Burnstead, makes sense. Uh, this way the people they were tricking would not see whether there was a real fleet coming or not. But they would see the signals. Meanwhile, Lord Byrne and his people gave a kingly good feast and a cheer. But Byrne sent a messenger after dark to Dorne to order some preparations that he didn't reveal the details of the following day. Ooh, what could happen, Chase? That's called a cliffhanger, folks. That's a hook.
1: It it is a hook. And it, it fits in with the kind of vibe of this chapter. The theme, if you will,
0: is deception. Ooh, deception. Chase, there's land in sight. And you know what, immediately, uh, you know, Lucy, she's she's just been talking to rinse while on the poop. Chase, you ever talk to someone on the poop?
1: Uh, not while I'm rinsing, no.
0: <laughs> I See, I feel like when it's rinsing, that's the best time to talk. But when you're on the poop, it's kind of weird. It can be. It, but,
1: yeah, it really depends on how you know the person you're talking to or how well you know them.
0: Yeah. If we're real close, then I don't mind talking to whoever on the poop, you know?
1: Yeah. It, it really, I mean, yeah, you...
0: Some we of my best conversations escape. have happened on the poop.
1: Yeah. I'm not, not having casual acquaintance conversations from the poop.
0: Do you ever just play on your phone in the poop? Or
1: I mean I I don't have games on my phone, but I'll I'll read stuff or or just scroll through Instagram.
0: Yeah, I'm a podcaster while I poop. Yeah. I mean on the poop.
1: I mean, honestly, I don't get to go out on boats very often, but I do still still get on my phone when I'm
0: on a boat because you know that's how life is now. That's how it goes. But they, uh, everyone rushes to see the land, and it turns out it's Felomath, Chase, obviously, the land yeah. that we're all aware of. Uh That's And, Felomath. It's, Felomath.
1: and, Felomath. and in the other yeah.
0: island, Dorn. because obviously. Yeah, uh,
1: the, the only island that was able to fight off the Targaryen invasion.
0: Dorn, correct. Uh, not D-O-R-N-E. D-O-O-R-N. Durn. Durn, like uh, Like if someone from Minnesota was reading Game of Thrones. Oh, we got the land of Durn. But uh, I don't know, man. Maybe. Could be. They you could be. Me. Well, uh, but then we get a really weird conversation that arguably doesn't need to happen. But it happens anyway because it's C.S. Lewis. And they're talking about uh, why the Lone Islands... Not the lonely island. The lonely, li- the, the lonely island belongs to no man, but <clears throat> the lone islands—why they belong to Narnia? Like why? Because they're so far away from the shore. Caspian's like, "Yo, did y'all conquer them?" And Edmund's like, "Nope, they were here during the days of the White Witch." Uh, and then C.S. Lewis, the narrator, interjects, being like, "Yo, I actually don't even know how these islands belong to Narnia. So if I ever find out, I'll let you know."
1: Yeah, he straight up says, like, if I ever do and if the story is at all interesting, I may put it in some other book.
0: Why is this necessary?
1: He he just leaves the door open. Like, he could come up with something interesting now, like a writer would, or he could actually follow up on that since he left himself a note in the middle of this book to do that.
0: But as we know, know, he does not read through his previous books when writing other ones. And so there's no way this is ever going to come to anything. And it won and it didn't because CS Lewis is dead and we don't know the origins of the Lone Island. So honestly, like
1: this is the sort of thing that if he had an editor, they'd be like, Hey, maybe you don't need that.
0: Probably doesn't make sense, but whatever. Yeah. CS Lewis don't need no editor.
1: Hey, but (laughs) chapter three. And it's the first time that I've said that this could use editing. Hey, so far in you're the best made, of the you're progress,
0: yes. Good job, Clive. Uh, but he, they they're like, oh, should we just uh, you know board on in Felomath? And Edmund's like, nah, it's kind of an uninhabited, boring island. Let's just go to Dorne. That's where most of the people are. Turns out Edmund was right. They should have just gone to Dorne. But instead of doing that, they Lucy's like, Oh man, but I love walking on lonely beaches. And it'd be so sweet to do that again. And Caspian's like, Hey, here's an idea. What if we just get dropped off? Uh, The Dawn Shredder meets us on the other side of the island, because apparently it's not that big. And uh, we'll just walk the island, and it'll be great. And then narrator C.S. Lewis uh, interjects here and says, that was a bad idea. Shouldn't have done that. If uh, Caspian was a little wiser, as he will be later on this voyage, probably wouldn't do that. But he's not wise, so they did it.
1: And to be fair, neither is Lucy or Edmund. Like... (laughs) They've been on more voyages than Caspian, and they yeah, could I mean, had been something they could have predicted. They could have said something.
0: They're roughly like 40 years old. So, yeah. you know, they should know better, but they don't. So, whatevs. And they're like, all right, cool. Uh, who, who's who's going to come with that? It? So it'll be, you know, Caspian, obviously, uh, and Edmund and Lucy. Eustace, he's like, anything to get off this boat. And they're like, hey, you know who Eustace loves? Reap a sheep. Let's get him too. True. No. It is
1: funny that Caspian like straight up invites Eustace. Like they didn't have to invite Eustace. They could have think, just said, Hey Eustace, we're going down to that Island over there. Stay up here.
0: I think Caspian is taking one for the team here. I think he's like, listen, if I think he's doing two things. One, I think he's trying to protect his crew from Eustace because he sucks. That's and true. then two, I think he's trying to protect Eustace from the crew because Eustace sucks. And they might kill him.
1: That's fair too.
0: Because he says things like, in a civilized country like where I came from, uh, and which is just kind of disrespectful. And everyone knows that Narnia is the best anyway. Might not be civilized, but it's good. Or wait, no, is that, is that Aslan?
1: I mean, all of the above. If it's it Aslan's be. second country. If it's As- it's Aslan's second house. His, yeah, his vacation house that
0: he goes He's to. Not around. worried about it looking nice, you know. Yeah, because the, the land is nice. You go there for the scenery. You don't right. go there for
1: it's it's his cabin in the woods. It's like his like Central Texas ranch that he doesn't really keep up that much because he doesn't like have company you there. Yeah, you don't have,
0: have fine china in there. You bring paper plates to cook, right? Like, yeah. it'll be fun. But it's still like a great time. Still a great time, but uh, they make their way onto the island, and uh, it's, you know, not too long before, lo and behold, Chase, when you believe it, on this uninhabited island, they find a group of large-looking men. Yeah. And they're all well-armed. Yeah,
1: well-armed, generally have bad vibes. Caspian doesn't like the looks of them.
0: As an empath, Chase, I'm sensing this is not going to be good. I mean your senses are well honed cal sweet cool, cool cool uh and then caspian really smart move here uh is basically like yo don't tell them who we are In particularly don't tell them who i am uh and they're like they're like why uh and reaper cheap is like no i like i'm like he's gonna he's a person who has such honor he's like no i i, I don't deceive people he's like listen these people are probably like not great but uh, more importantly, like this, this land has not had any contact from Narnia. They're probably not monarchists. Uh, and they're not a fan, and they wouldn't be like being told, "Hey, I actually rule you." So don't acknowledge that I'm the king. And Rikji was like, "But we have swords." And he's like, "Yeah, but there's a lot more of them, and they're not just gonna like be cool with like us." Yeah,
1: he says, "If it's a question of reconquering the three islands, I'd prefer to come back with a larger army." Fair smart smart man this is why he's the king and not the mouse
0: yeah like caspian smart move reba chief great warrior maybe not the best like king not a not a great monarch and like for the for the other mice sure he's a great well, leader and I but mean, they're a mar- ass- martial yeah. people like the, the the mice are clearly a martial people so they're used to fighting caspian understands you know like logistics here uh And if you're going to be the island coming from across the sea to conquer people, you better bring your whole Navy, Uh, not just a little group. Because then if, you know, France and Spain attack you, then you're not going to be able to devote all of your resources. You're going to have to pull out. Uh, And then that country ends up becoming the global superpower. So it's fine. Uh, But I mean, that's a that is a possibility of something that could happen theoretically.
1: In in some other world,
0: some other world. Uh, in a variant timeline, but uh, they come to the group and they're like, ah, good morning. And they're like, oh, good morning to y'all. Is there a chance that, you know, there's still a governor here and they're, you know, all the, all these scary looking men are like, there is a governor, Governor Gumpus, what a name. Uh, And they, they say, you'll stay and drink with us. Not really an option, not a choice here.
1: Yeah. Which like, it sounds like hospitality, It comes across as hospitality. Uh Caspian thinks to himself that he doesn't like the look of them. And so when they sit down freckles. Yeah. I mean Caspian, to be fair, vain man doesn't like the look of a lot of people. He wouldn't marry them for sure. Um,
0: (laughs) He wouldn't marry them, these these well-armed men with freckles.
1: Yeah. I I do think like the governor's name being Gumpus, do you think that C.S. Lewis is just doing the like J.K. Rowling, like name people, evil names thing? Uh,
0: he, she, he's for sure giving him a lame name, which makes him probably someone you don't want to root for.
1: Yeah. It, it does feel like he falls into that trope of like signaling what the character's personality is going to be through their name.
0: For sure. But uh, as soon as they uh, sit them down to uh, have a drink, they uh, all they start tying them up and, you know, make, they start kidnapping them. Reaper Cheap is really the only one that starts putting up a fight. He's biting them and writhing and uh, they're like, oh, man, careful with that one. Uh, he's, he's you know, don't damage him. He'll fetch the best price because he's a giant mouse. They don't know he can talk yet. They just think he's a giant mouse. And then he says, coward, poltroon. Again, it's calling him a poltroon. And you know Reaper Cheap is serious when he pulls out the P word. Uh, but... Says, give me my sword and free my paws if you dare. And they're like, no, we don't dare. Uh, but you're a talking mouse, which means 200 crescents for that one. Hey, we found a currency. Crescents, which are a, th- crescent. a third of a pound. Which here's the thing why is he giving the conversion rate between a crescent in a mythical, magical land and the British pound in earth?
1: That is baffling. <laughs> You like, could almost argue it's bad storytelling to to compare it to Earth Money because there is no world where
0: there would be an exchange. The standard of currency in Narnia is different. Like a crescent might be the gold standard for all we know. Well, I mean, we don't know
1: if it's worth about a third of a pound. It's definitely not the gold standard,
0: but sure. But I'm just saying, like we don't know. Because we don't know what currency is like in Narnia, this is the first word even hearing of a currency, and it's been five books. Chase yeah,
1: also, the fact that it's a Kellerman currency and not a Narnian currency is like notable because, true. especially for their trade, Kellerman has slavery, Narnia does not like that doesn't make any sense why they would be using callerman currency on a narnian land
0: but yeah, but from no. all we know about narnia i don't know if narnia has a currency
1: it i mean it just brings up the question of why do these islands have humans on them
0: i mean chase didn't you know that humans are destined to rule narnia and there weren't there haven't been humans seen anywhere Except for all the places that humans were seen. I mean, it. We. Miss Lewis
1: needs to make a decision.
0: Are there these people these,
1: here or aren't there? Are the sees the only the, humans that have ever been seen or are there entire cities?
0: Maybe these humans were similar to the other telmarines uh, or the ancient telmarines and they got sucked in from Earth uh, and just happened to be on these islands. Same thing with the Kalermans. Who knew? They just got sucked in from Earth, and now they're chilling in Narnia. Uh, but, but apparently
1: there were cities there even in, like, Peter them this day. Like, that this doesn't
0: make sense. Hey, Chase, you're expecting C.S. Lewis to, you know, have continuity in his own story. And I think you're asking too much. I think you're being a little bit unreasonable.
1: You know, like how I received that correction, and I uh, I apologize.
0: Thank you, even though I have made all of these same complaints I, I'm a different person now, you know yeah. it's a it's a different day. It's a Friday, so, in which you're probably listening to this on a Saturday or whatever. I don't know when you listen, man, like you do your own thing. I mean
1: Thursday, Tuesday, five you, weeks yeah, from now, listen knows? to
0: us while you're driving, listen to us on the poop, man, wherever hey,
1: this is a great podcast to listen to on the
0: poop also
1: yeah. like if you're 30 years in the future when earth has imploded and society doesn't exist anymore, and this is just a random hey. transmission floating through space, shout out to you as well. Like and subscribe on our Instagram at Chronicles of Podcasts.
0: Maybe you is listening to this, you know, the Terminator, but uh, regardless, uh, they figure out based on this conversation that their captors are not just kidnappers, but they are slavers because they're going to sell the children, the mouse and Caspian into slavery. Uh, and they're complaining. And the slave, the main slaver is like, hey, if you, you know, you need to take it easy because the easier you make it, the easier it's going to be and the more pleasant, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not that I do this for fun. I do this because I got to make a living my way as anyone else, you know? If I can't sell slaves, how am I going to make money, Chase? Fair. you're right. <sighs> You know, you, growing, you know, growing a crop, like, you know, working at a factory, no, you gotta sell people. Got a human factor. That's the only way. That's Look, the Everyone living.
1: knows that you can't make a real living being ethical. So, yeah.
0: uh, if I I'm shady, it. if you
1: really wanna make it big.
0: If I've learned anything from Netflix documentaries, that's probably it. You know, if I wanna make a lot of money, I gotta do some unethical things. And if I do unethical things, and I have money, I can get away with it.
1: Yeah. Or at some point the FBI and CAA are gonna break into your compound and and it's gonna be a big gun battle.
0: Yeah, but maybe we're we'll watching country.
1: different Netflix documentaries, Cal.
0: They all blend at the same they all blend at a certain point. Uh,
1: but the Netflix documentaries I've been watching lately are about selling expensive homes in Hollywood, so
0: so probably not a lot of uh, sex trafficking or anything like that, in those hopefully, but you never know. you would really
1: hope to be honest
0: but After hearing from their slavers that they're going to be sold into slavery, Eustace asks, "Hey, this place where you're taking us to sell us into slavery, is there a British consul there or a consul there?" Like And then they're like, "What is that?" And Eustace goes into this long explanation of what a British consul is, and one of those slavers is like, "Good God." Give me the mouse who stabbed me because this guy sucks, which it is telling that a slaver who is selling these kids into slavery. I don't know if we can harp on that enough, Chase. These people are bad people, but they still share my thought that Eustace sucks.
1: Eustace gets set free because he sucks that bad. (laughs) They're like, you know what?
0: I don't even know we can make a profit on you. You go and do your own thing. Honestly, dude, we get it. Go ahead. Be gone. Be gone. Uh, all jokes aside, want to make sure everyone knows we are very, like, we're going to talk about slavery in this podcast a lot because this is, like, the theme of this podcast and or this this chapter and, like, it is a real interesting thing that we're dealing with slavery uh, and, and this concept from a British writer, obviously looking historically back at you know, the Atlantic slave trade and how things looked. We mentioned this last chapter uh, of, you know, boats being piloted or like steered by uh, slaves. And we're going to deal with it again in this chapter. And it's an interesting thing that C.S. Lewis dives into and tackles. And it's, I think we both appreciate him dealing with it, but also recognize the limitations and the flaws in it.
1: Yeah, it's like, we we appreciate that he goes there and like it says something morally that the first bad guys in this book who are not Eustace are slave traders. Like that that sets the scene of of like the first bad guy we meet in Lion Witch in the Wardrobe is the White Witch. Slave traders are 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 in that category in this in this book um at least so far and so it's uh it's sending a message about the history of what britain did and also like there's so much crossover here between like not only the like atlantic slave trade in the early americas but also like looking at like you have conversation about the British consul here, like stuff that's happening close to CS Lewis's day of the way that Africa was divided up by the uh, European powers after world war one and the ways that uh, British people in particular, but Europeans in general treated the African continent. And like, it's basically acknowledged you're like, yeah, this isn't legal here, but it's still done. And, like, so to have all that context happening from the perspective of a British person does actually send a message in a time when the British empire was more established than it is today as we record this podcast. But it's also saying something that the people being sold into slavery, or like kidnapped into slavery right now, are all white children and there are no people of color in this book to... uh that which luckily we wouldn't want it to be like oh well the one black guy in the book gets taken to slavery like that would be also terrible but it's weird that this is happening in a completely white book as far as we're aware
0: yes Uh, if the you know especially given the 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 character descriptions and the movies if anything you know but uh all to say we are acknowledging this and we want, we're we going to talk about it throughout this chapter, but wanted to just give a forefront there. Uh, but as we go, uh, we, you know, join back to the group and Reaper Chief is basically just laying into these slavers. Everyone else is muzzled. And you would think that they would have muzzled Reaper Chief as well because he is just hurling insults at them. Uh, and just like going on a diatribe about how terrible these guys are. As opposed to muzzling him, they're just like, dude, keep going. Man, this is hilarious.
1: They really do like they don't muzzle Reaper Cheap because they're entertained by the fact that he's talking. Which, like they keep saying, like, go on, or like whenever he'd stop, they're like, Man, this is like as good as going to a show. Like, this is great.
0: One of you trained him. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just hoping that Reaper Cheap. I mean, it, it's been a while since I've read this book. I'm just hoping Reaper Cheap slaughters these guys.
1: Yeah. I, I would love for Reaper Cheap to be like a daredevil type character in this book. And just put put on a mask and go just start slaughtering people in the streets. Yeah,
0: but here's the thing, Chase. You think Reaper Cheap putting on a mask is going to help hide his identity to people? He's a two foot tall mouse. It
1: could have been any mouse.
0: <laughs> that mouse right there this mouse nope it's the giant mouse with a sword
1: single-handedly taking down the organized crime of the lone islands
0: the kingpin of the lonely island andy sandberg uh but
1: <laughs> revenge Sheep attacks andy sandberg
0: in the streets what a crossover yeah uh that's what we i would pay crossover attention. of all time but uh they Uh, are they make their way into the place they're going and they come to a fine looking uh, gentleman who uh, he is clearly familiar with these slavers. He's like, hello, like, well, pug, which again, terrible name, but he's like, well, pug. uh, And he's like, what do you got today? Basically. And pug is trying to, uh, you know, show he's showing his stock quote unquote and uh the the man is interested in caspian he's like i want him uh and pug's like oh man but i've grown accustomed to him and he's like dude i don't want to hear it i know your whole spiel i'm not here to listen to your uh like rigmarole. uh he's like just tell me how much and he goes 300 crescents he's like i'll give you 150 and they're like all right fine uh lucy's like no don't separate us which is fair but
1: yeah but caspian's like it'll be cool
0: Yeah. And like the Lord is like, I'm so sorry. I can't buy you all. Uh, Like, hopefully they don't treat you poorly. Uh, And this is where we're going to get into this here in a second. Uh, But so he buys Caspian and takes him away. And uh, like, you know, Lucy and Edmund start, they become really grim and Lucy starts crying and pug man, this guy sucks. Like he's just, I mean, obviously he's a slave trader, so he's like really not good at all.
1: Yeah, but he just does some
0: good. hard, hard gaslighting here. Or he's like, now Missy, don't you start taking on and spoiling your looks for the market tomorrow. You be a good girl and then you won't have nothing to cry about. See, it's like stop crying so that you can remain pretty so that I can sell you for more.
1: Ugh. Look, tough look for our slave traders.
0: I mean, I don't know if there's really redemption that you can have with the slave traders, but this is... This is not doing anything to help your cause.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't expect there to be, but it's uh, it's still rough.
0: <laughs> but Chase, good news. Caspian's having a great time.
1: He is. He a much more interesting one. Yeah the uh, the man who bought him <laughs> can't say enough. Still a guy out here buying slaves. Which we're told later that everyone who's working in his like his setup is free, but like he is funding the slave trade as he's do- yeah. doing that. Like, look, I don't, I'm I don't talk about
0: this more in my further up and further in because this is problematic. But dude is buying slaves, freeing them, but buying slaves nonetheless. But Chase, wouldn't you believe it? This guy, he turns out like he says, "Hey, I only bought you because you looked like my old master." Uh, And he's like, who's your old master? He's like, you know, King Caspian of Narnia. And Caspian's like, wouldn't you believe it?
1: That's me. (laughs) You know my dad?
0: Uh, He's like, I'm King Caspian, the younger one. But, you know, that's still me. Uh, (laughs) And the guy's like, I don't know. Like, you do look like him. But how do I know this is true?
1: I will point out the phrase, I bought you for your face. Makes me uncomfortable.
0: His face Oh. The Nick Cage. He's reference. really
1: doing a Nick Cage movie here.
0: I mean, dude bought a slave.
1: I I mean, look, say no more.
0: <laughs> like, I'm just saying, he like, you're gonna say he's above like slave buyers are above cutting people's faces off. We don't know that.
1: But did he buy a dinosaur skeleton? It's the real Nick Cage question.
0: But did he buy an island to clone? dinosaurs from mosquitoes and create a theme park
1: look if we let this go on long enough he will
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is the lonely island man uh but he says how do i know you're actually caspian he's like well first by my face but second because uh i'll tell you exactly who you're you're one of the lords which is like this is a stretch I, i mean i guess it's not that much of a stretch but it's like, no, you're one of the lords. Argos, Bird, Artesian, Restamar, Marverborn, or whatever, the other ones. What if he had been one of the other two, Chase?
1: Man, it would have gotten a lot more bad for Casper. been a little so funny
0: if he had been like, oh, you know what? Oh, you forgot my name. How I'm dare Rup. you? I'm Roop.
1: Rup. <laughs> Roopy Scoop Poop. Roop Scoop Poop. Roop is up uh, on
0: the poop. And so here's the thing he names all these things and he's like, and if you you know that doesn't work, I'll, you know. I'll prove to you by my swordsmanship uh, that I am him, which like he bro, How's he going to know you by your swordsmanship? You, he left when you were a baby. Like,
1: yeah. And it's interesting. Like, so of course this works, but the man's like, yeah, it's his father's very voice and trick of speech. Like how would Caspian have the same pattern of speech as his dad who died when he was, Too young to remember that he was even king, let alone teach him how to talk or anything else.
0: Like, if anything, he would have been like, oh, my word, if it isn't his father's voice and the same speech used by that half dwarf, that guy uh, that raised him, or that nurse that told (laughs) him about Narnia.
1: More likely, which, like, I'm sure... There's formal, like whatever whatever, like especially we saw it a lot more in uh in the horse and his boy, just like the more formality of the way (laughs) back back when everyone was using King James version. Um it but yeah, here it's just like that's kind of weird, but okay, sure. Yeah, he's got his he talks just like his dad.
0: So here's where it becomes. I have several questions here. So he goes, the money, like Caspian goes, the monies your lordship dispersed for our person will be made good from our own treasury. And he says, they're not in Pug's purse yet, sire. Said the Lord burn, for he it was. And never will be, I trust. I have moved his sufficiency, the governor, a hundred times to crush this vile traffic in man's flesh. So, and then he, and then Caspian says, my Lord burn. So I have several things here. First, this is T.S. Lewis's way of being like, hey, Lord Byrne, not actually a bad guy. He's against the slave trade. And he's trying, he's told the governor, hey, you should make slave trade illegal here. So even though he bought slaves, even though he bought slaves, you know, he's definitely still a good guy because he's trying to tell the guy, hey, you should stop slave trade stuff, even though I'm funding it.
1: Myths about our founding fathers?
0: Like, this is, so, he's trying to redeem Lord Byrne. But second, it just says, it like, we are introduced to Lord Byrne's name, not because he said, I'm Lord Byrne, but because the narrator says, said the Lord Burn" because that's who it was. And then Caspia just somehow knows which one of the Lords he is. That's an inconsistency that's really annoying to me.
1: Yeah, like because we know everything they said like it's there it's also it is what it is
0: i just have an introduction because he says you're one of these lords and then later he just knows which one of them he is and he he, he, when he started using
1: royal hour then he (sighs) instinctively knew which of his lords it was
0: Ah, his dad's spirit came upon him so that he could know that's why he spoke like his dad.
1: The Lord said to my Lord, Lord mm. Burn.
0: <laughs> that was an interesting cut there. Uh, but all that to say, I'm annoyed. I don't like it, but whatever. Um, he goes, so tell me your story, Burn. Uh, and he's like, well, easy enough. You know, I left with the other six lords, came to this island, fell in love, and I stayed because your uncle sucks, just like Eustace. Yep.
1: Man, started a uh, democratic socialist paradise.
0: Started a, started model. you know, I have a happy little fiefdom uh, where, you know, I'm a feudal lord, but I'm a pretty benign feudal lord. It's pretty cool. I mean, if, if it's not clear, I, I read
1: Byrne as Bernie and therefore he is Bernie Sanders.
0: If you want to call him Bernie, that's fine. I don't think he's a socialist because he's ruling over these people and not sharing his wealth. But
1: <laughs> depends on what cable news channel you watch. But uh, uh
0: for this for this instance, I think we just have to go BBC. It seems okay, the most cool, true. Cool.
1: Take, take a step out.
0: <laughs> most true to Narnia would be BBC, not Fox News or CNN. But you know.
1: I mean, I I doubt they're talking about Bernie Sanders there, but we can go back to having a lordship if we're in the BBC. Know.
0: You never know. It about. means
1: less today than it did fifty years ago, but uh
0: but then Caspian, you know the good king he is concerned about his friends. asks about the political situation of the island. He says, "Hey, does this governor Gumpus does he still acknowledge the king of Narnia? Because his first question is, is he you know he's like, hey, tell me your story, and not, hey, how do we get my friends back?
1: Uh, hey, am I in charge here or what?
0: <laughs> am I in charge here? Like, if I started bossing people around, would they do what I say? And they're, so he's basically, we learn." that gumpus is more uh, aligned to narnia in name rather than action not actually going to be loyal to the king uh, and so uh, in name only and uh you know 30 swords is not enough uh that you know but they could potentially just bluff him into you know giving up and acknowledging his rule if they just pretend like there's a lot more of them than there actually are
1: yeah which like I guess Um, it's a wide swing. Also the idea that that's going to be what gets them back. It's very storybook logic. Like it's very much, we're making a, a plan. We're doing this heist. It'll all come together exactly the way we think it out in advance rather than like having to improvise in the moment, which is more realistic, but
0: yep.
1: They they go for it, and luckily, Caspian just happens to have a horn, not Susan's horn, mind you, but right. a horn that is loud enough for the Dawn Treader to hear from offshore and specific enough for Drenian to recognize it and go into exactly where Caspian was blowing it from, and it all works out.
0: Yep, uh, and so the Dawn Treader meets him there. They tell him the plan. Uh, how they're going to send fake signals uh, and say, hey, assemble the fleet. And they're like, what fleet? And they're like, exactly.
1: Uh, oh, sending fake signals? What
0: is this, dating? Woo! him. Got him. Haha, <laughs> Chase says. <laughs> but. Uh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> he also dabbed on camera for all of our listeners who can't see. Anything because this is a hundred
1: percent of our listeners that was just for Kel,
0: that was just for me, and I appreciate it. This I, podcast, I
1: don't know why I really enjoyed that joke, that wouldn't got me,
0: but here we are. Uh, they tell the plan, uh, and they said, Hey, we got to assemble at Burnstead because Lord Byrne named his fiefdom Burnstead because he said, Look, I'm not a clever man, just one that indulges in slave buying every now and then
1: it's it's his, I guess,
0: hey, but he like, I don't I know if he buys him, you know, he sets him free to work on his fief again, problematic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's you know, but at least they're going to be ruled by him, who's a kind, benign overlord and his his gracious wife and merry daughters.
1: You know, it didn't hit right when I was being told that in Sunday school either.
0: Yep. But here we are, Chase. Chase, do you have anything else before you dive further <laughs> up and further in?
1: Uh I don't think so. I mean, you didn't so I haven't read ahead, so I don't actually know. You didn't take the burn sending a messenger after dark to be nefarious or like weird in any way. I kind of <laughs> read it. So for the listeners, the last line of the chapter is but after dark Burns sent a messenger over by boat to Dorn to order some preparations he did not say exactly what for the following day and that hit me as like a, oh is this guy like potentially going to backstab but I don't know I haven't read ahead yet so, so
0: I read this and we'll find out uh, I read this not as him you know preparing people to deceive Caspian and crew but to help uh, aid them with more ships or more people or to help set some sort of uh, rouse or you know deception for Governor Gumpus.
1: yeah I mean maybe I hope you're right I it's gonna work out one way or the other because these are the main
0: characters but the main characters in the next chapter uh, is chapter four and we've gotta get to other stuff we gotta you know, discover some invisible one-footed monsters. We've got to uh, go to the land of uh, of Midas's touch. Uh, we've got to discover some vanity in Lucy that has never existed until now. Uh, we'll
1: only exists for about three paragraphs, but sure. it we've,
0: is- we've got to fight a dragon that may or may not be someone that we know. I mean, it, it's a whole thing. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so we the Odyssey, but of- not, yeah. We don't have a lot of time for slave trade, you know. So they're going to get rescued somehow.
1: It'll it'll all work out.
0: It'll, it'll all be work some out. kind
1: of Deus Ex Machina, and it will uh, they'll get back on their boat and sail away like it never
0: happened. Is Deus Ex Machina when it's literally Aslan who is God? Like, is it just Deus?
1: I think it's. Sh- is it Lion X Mach? Is it?
0: I think it's just Deus X Deus. De-
1: deus ex the field field
0: Philonica like yeah but uh i would say let's dive further up and further in and because mine has to do- deal directly with this topic of uh lord burn and the slave trade uh i'm gonna just go ahead and jump in chase if you don't mind go for uh, it. because my further up and further in is the quote-unquote freer of slaves uh, and you see this in a lot of fiction um and it's presented as someone who is worth. Your respect because they are freeing slaves. However, they are doing so in kind of problematic ways. This is Lord Byrne for us. He is freeing slaves to, you know, work and get paid and you know be supported. However, he is doing so by buying them and supporting the slave traders to continue doing the things that they are doing, which he apparently disagrees with. This doesn't work because he is helping the cause of slave trade continue. And like, congrats, you're freeing people. And that's more people that were, that were free than were previously free. However, you are now allowing other people to be freed or to be put into slavery who were not put into slavery previously. And so it's it's a catch 22 there. And it's all with the mindset of trying to make Lord Byrne redeemable. And I think you see this in a few uh, different pieces of fiction. You see Daenerys do this in Game of Thrones, where the Unsullied army, um, she you know receives and, and buys as slaves and then frees them. But then what do they do, Chase? They work for her and die for her. Like, are they really free still? It's like yeah, technically, but also not really. Because are you going to go against the lady who has dragons to command? Probably not. Like. And so you, you run into issues there. Uh, and like, even like the, you you take someone like that's not in slavery, you know, think, uh, along the lines of like Schindler's list, amazing movie, and a man who did some courageous acts and basically, you know, got a bunch of Jews during the Holocaust to work in his factory, as opposed to being, you know, put in concentration camps where they would die, uh, However, is a man still being supported by the Nazi party? Is a man still you know not speaking out against these things or you know helping end the like regime that is putting people to concentration camps? And it's one of those things where it's like it it makes these issues so tough when you're like, yes, this person is redeemable, but it's not doing all the things that they could or should be doing and not even necessarily ending but potentially are propagating the system by thriving because of it. And it's just a it's a tough thing. And you see it throughout fiction and throughout uh the history of the world even is people who like get propagated by this, but then are also remembered as heroes because of certain things when it's not as simple as that. Yeah. It's
1: kind of a pragmatism versus an idealism situation. Absolutely. But Well, for my further up and further in, uh, I just wanted to talk briefly about this kind of archetype of the secret lord. So, like, this hidden important character. So, in this chapter, the Lord Byrne starts out as this unnamed figure who comes out of his house and calls out about buying Caspian. Um, like, we don't actually learn that he is important or someone who we would know until after some things have transpired and this is something that happens a lot in literature and storytelling in general this idea that like this kind of shrouded hooded figure or just this unknown anonymous figure would kind of wander in but then turn out to be someone significant like the thing that really came to mind for me here was in star Wars in uh, the, the real episode one. So episode four, uh, when Ben Kenobi rescues Luke and he's just uh, this guy living in the wilderness, who's kind of sketchy and he hasn't heard, <laughs> he hasn't heard the name Obi-Wan in many years. Uh, but like, he starts out as this anonymous hermit, and then turns out to be this legendary warrior Jedi like like figure that is going to both train Luke and also randomly disappear in a puff of smoke for some reason. Um, but yeah, this idea that uh, or like you see the same thing with with Yoda. Uh, it's it's a lot. Anyways. What I'm saying is, though, like this archetype of the hidden important character is a way for uh, it's kind of a plot device, but it's also a way for us to kind of see a new like figure come in that like has weight to their actions. You you don't do this with someone who's just passing through and like you randomly learn, oh, his name is Kevin, like it. It's basically a way for C.S. Lewis to signal to us as the reader that, like, this guy is going to play a significant role in the plot going forward, even if it's probably just for the next chapter or two. But he's one of the seven. We got the first uh, ring. We got the first Power Stone. Yeah. He's our first MacGuffin to to discover, Cal.
0: The first MacGuffin of seven, potentially more, depends. Who knows? But Chase you know i know that we bought this podcast and that you you you've really purchased it but it's free for our listeners that's true which it doesn't is great.
1: cost them 14 dollars a month
0: it doesn't you know at all but chase would you like to tell our listeners how they could help you as a you know free people uh, in 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 the fiefdom that is this podcast
1: yeah if you want to purchase kel and i uh, you can venmo me money <laughs> uh, <laughs> hold on no please don't do that uh again
0: please please don't don't sell us (laughs) into slavery
1: (laughs) if you want to do things that are not evil though uh you could go maybe follow us on instagram at chronicles of podcasts and tell us how it was inappropriate for me to make that joke uh or you could also go and uh find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, really wherever you get podcasts, and leave us a five-star rating and a review that doesn't mention slavery at all. Because that <laughs> doesn't really make people want to listen to podcasts, but it did come up this episode a good
0: bit. No, unless you're gonna say this podcast is definitely anti-slavery. Yeah.
1: If you wanna if you wanna say the true statement that this podcast right. ranted about how bad slavery is for a good while. Then you're free to include that in your review, but uh, at a minimum, five star ratings.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. But Chase, uh, you know, we'll find out if the if the Pevensey's and Eustace get rescued uh, and reap a cheap next time on the Chronicles of Black. That was my, you know, attempt to at the C.S. Lewis cliffhanger.
1: Yeah, I mean. Felt very uh like Saturday morning TV. I like it.
0: It was uh it felt just as forced as yeah. a, a C.S. Lewis fore- uh, foreshadowing cliffhanger does. And I mean, you didn't send a letter into the night, so you know it is what it is.